Um, I thought we'd got to talk about the Queen today and, uh, and her life. And it's the, the verse I've got up there, I'll read you the Passion Version in a minute, but this is the NIV, remember your leaders. And of course, we often think, you know, pastors and youth leaders and Sunday school teachers and all that. Um, and this isn't so much a comment on the monarchy as on her. Uh, so whether you're into monarchy or not, that, that's irrelevant at this point, whether you think it's the best system or not. I personally think it's wonderful that the prime minister has to go and curtsy to someone who represents us and explain themselves every week. That's a powerful balance compared to other countries that don't have a strong monarchy anymore. But, you know, we, right or wrong, I don't know. I, I'm wrong on plenty of things. But what I do know is... She was a wonderful woman, and she was definitely born again. Uh, I have friends that have sat with uh, many of the royals, discussed speaking in tongues, have uh, been around them, preaching the gospel, talking about things of faith, and there's definitely, uh, she was born again, and, um, uh, well, I won't say any more than that. And look at this verse, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Uh, if you've listened to any Christmas uh, address the last few years it just seemed to get more Christian and more Christian didn't it consider the outcome of 70 years of while some of the family may have not been scandal free and may have had the odd rascal let's not go there how she remains scandal free for 70 years is something that Christians we need to learn what has she done to remain so steadfast. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So we're gonna do that this morning. I think it's the most appropriate thing to do. Uh, let me give you the passion version of that verse. Gives you a, a couple of other little things to think of. Hebrews 13 verse seven. Don't forget the example of your spiritual leaders who have spoken God's messages to you. Take a close look at how their lives ended. That's what we're going to do today. And then follow their walk of faith. And uh, now we know we're not saying that Queen Elizabeth would have been a Pentecostal Christian or would have ever, you know, rushed to the front at an altar call. But sometimes that's, you know, very much our culture. Here is a woman of faith that's lived a better life than many Pentecostals that I know. So it might be more high church than we're used to, but you can sense, I have met low church people that don't know God, and I've met high church people that just, the heaviness of the presence of God on them as they go through the ritual and the routine of what they do. I've stood uh, with bishops dressed in all their regalia and sensed more of the power of God coming off their lives than some of the most charismatic preachers have ever been able to grace the platform with around the world. Uh, and so let's just you know dump some of our arrogance and go what can we learn from this remarkable remarkable life and uh, well I don't know should we should we start with a, a join in bit what words sum up the queen to you faithful shout them out so we can all hear then I don't have to steadfast I love that duty there was one here constant oh I just think of that word for a minute. Everybody say constant. constant. We're admiring a life that's constant. So then you have to ask, this is the point of this morning, so is my life constant? Any other words? 
humble, graceful, forgiving. Oh boy. Say that one again. Public service. What did you say? Strength and stay. I like it. Did you do you said one? Sacrificial. Wow. Servant, one at the back. Dignified. Oh, just, just pause. So we're admiring a life that's dignified. You see, in life, and, and you often might use this of leadership, but let's just apply it to life for all of us for a minute. It's a, it's a great lesson in life to always ask, so, so this is what you'd say to leaders. You say, before you do anything as a leader, before you communicate, before you reply to that email, before you go see that person or decide whether you want to see them or not, every leader should always be asking themselves, if you want to be a half-decent leader, what would a great leader do at this point? Then whether you feel like it or not, you just go do that and you will be a better leader. It's just one of the great principles of leadership. What would, what would an awesome, uh, strong, kind, compassionate, faithful, stable, servant-hearted, sacrificial, dignified leader do? And do it. And you look at people that you go, well, wow, she got right the way through all of that and stayed faithful. And somehow, with all of personal tragedy, still had a twinkle in her eye. Yeah. Right to the end. Uh, her sense of humour. God help us. So, so just to, to pull that back to all of our lives in case you think, well, I'm not a leader. So you just got to ask, well, what does someone who's going to live a great life do? Uh, at some point we have to self-analyze and go, so what should I do now? Because of course we're living in the era of do what you feel when of course nothing is going to bring a more chaotic life and nobody exemplifies more a sense of, no, don't do what you feel Ask what is the right thing to do because you're going to feel a different thing every day. You might feel like pizza one day and, you know, you're a vegan the next and then you want a bacon sandwich the day after that. They're just feelings. But what does a great life do? And that's what we need to be asking in these, in these times. Any other words? She was beautiful inside and out. I love some of the... Because, of course... We probably see most the kind of pomp and ceremony, the, the greetings. Did anybody see the cartoon in the Eye newspaper yesterday? And it was usually brilliant cartoons. And it was essentially the Queen, you know, dressed rather like this with her handbag, appearing before God. And of course, God was this towering figure on his throne. And it just said what she was saying. She obviously just arrived at the throne, to, at the throne and went, and what do you do? Which is, of course, what she would have said to so many lines of people. There she is saying to Almighty God, and what do you do? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember why I told that now, but she had a sense of humour that, that much we know. Um, what was the last thing someone said? That's where I was, beautiful inside and out. Yeah, and she was. Um, I've got some, some things that uh, people have been... So various, these are mainly world leaders. Listen, listen to this phrase, uh, kind-hearted queen. These are all prime ministers, kings, presidents, etc. Okay, um, let me just read them to you. In a complicated world, her steady grace and resolve brought comfort. Uh, one said that his chats with her were always thoughtful, wise, curious, helpful, and funny. Wow. Um, 
Somehow she connected with all with such empathy and yet she was rooted in tradition. Maybe one of the things we need to look at today is the fact that somehow there was an unchanging part to her rooted somehow in unchanging truths and traditions and yet accepting with empathy of all the change swirling around her. Steadfast and wise, one said. Warmth and kindness. It's amazing. There are, I think this is where I was going, there, there are lots of little videos coming out now of, of the, the funny things and the behind the scenes shots and you realise, wow, she really was granny. Do you know what I mean? She really, she, she so, so normal and humorous and self-depreciating. Is that the right word? Deprecating? One of those self-depreciating financial, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> that too may be soon, but anyway, let's not go there. A role model for leadership that will be immortalised in history, one said. A reassuring presence throughout decades of sweeping change. Now remember, we're using this morning to remember the Queen, but also to put a plumb line against our lives. Are we a reassuring presence throughout decades of sweeping change? <laughs> Parents to our kids in a world that we know is morally chaotic, are we a reassuring presence of enduring truth in a world of chaotic change? Wow. She had an extraordinary sense of duty. Hers was an unwavering life long dedicated to serving her people. Oh, listen to this, 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 I like this. Timeless decency. Enduring calm. Come on, every drama queen. Enduring calm. You know, with, with, with every problem they say, you know, again, little leadership maxim. If problems are like a fire, always look for those that carry buckets of water and stay away from those that carry buckets of petrol. <laughs> you know, and it, in every situation, you know, I want someone who will calm things, who will be the oil on the waters, those calming presence. And here's something that we see of a Christian woman was enduring decency, timeless calm, or the other way around, something like that. Um, an essential part of the fabric of our world. Imagine saying that of a Christian life. Imagine saying that of Revived Church. That leaders in Hull said, you know, that place is an essential part of the fabric of our world. Wow, I love it. Couple more. She didn't, she didn't need us to hear her opinion. She knew when to stay quiet. Wow. You don't have to tweet that, Jared. <laughs> Come on, keyboard warriors. <laughs> Shouldn't you know, and that, we'll come on to this in a bit, that's Christ-like. Yes. My opinion isn't needed on this. I'm an enduring presence of calm. <laughs> a guiding light of stability in an uncertain world. Wow. Incredible. Um, so let me pick on three. Is that okay? And just talk about them for a little bit. And, uh, and again, we're not just remembering. I'm actually biblically, as per the scripture there, we're looking at the model of a good 
Christian life well lived and then asking, so God, what should we apply to our lives if we are going to admire, if for some reason uh, even uh, uh, Republicans and people that feel little for the monarchy are feeling a tinge of sadness because something that represents kindness and stability is gone from our world. That means it's relevant to all, whatever your political preference. That's why we're all moved by it because somehow she represented goodness and kindness and an ancient kind of decency, a world where the the boundaries don't keep swapping and changing, but rather you're going to find nothing but empathy and compassion and kindness and and love and hospitality, uh, and yet rooted in this sense of enduring truth and some things that never change. And our world right now is looking and going, we forgot we needed that. While we're busy rewriting morality and in some cases rewriting history and trying to transform what we think is right and wrong, and the Bible is full of warnings about that, and yet the world sits up and admires this enduring, decent person that says, but somehow, can we keep that? I know what the world will say. Can we keep that while rewriting all the rules? Of course, the answer is no. In many cases, there's many things that can't be rewritten, but they can be held with more compassion, more love, more kindness, and more empathy than perhaps we've experienced in the past. Amen. And so... um, Three little phrases that I've got that I think sum her up. Uh, Number one, selfless service. Hmm. Uh, Isn't it amazing? She was almost certainly the most famous woman in the world. And yet everything she did wasn't about her. It wasn't because she was a loud extrovert. Quite the opposite. Here's this quite quiet woman that we, many of us, most of us would never know her innermost thoughts. Uh, and so I'm told would always make the room uh, uh, and everything going on in the room not about her, but about, but about them. Enduring selfless service in a world that we're tempted, I think, because of the way our world is shaped right now to live our lives thinking what's in it for me. And yet here's someone that looked, for whatever reason, at the concept of monarchy and duty and nation and said, I'll do what's right for the nation, not what's right for me. Do you know what I mean? And and I think sometimes we're faced, here's the biggest challenge and, 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 and... and his decisions that bring much sorrow into our world is when we sit as as fathers or husbands and wives or as or as sons and 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 we think I'm not liking this, I can get out of this. What's in it for me? So I can swap and change. I'm in one minute, out the next. Three three months on, three months off, and yet here you've got just to say what's somehow she asked what's the right thing for the nation. Let me be what the nation needs. When's the last time we just asked ourselves, let me be what my kids need. Let me be what my husband needs. Let me be what my wife needs. We all need to ask it. It doesn't go one way, does it? Sons, let me be, Zach, let me be what my parents need. Just, just list, soak it in, son. Just, just receive it deeply. He's giving me the eye. It's even crazier than grandma's eye. And that's a crazy eye, I can tell you that now. Um, (laughs) Whatever your position in work, is it, what do I get out of this job? Or what does this firm need me to be? 
That's the way she was living. Let me be the kind of school teacher. Because we occupy a position doesn't mean we do it well. Right? We all occupy positions, don't we? Son, uh, father, husband, wife, uh, then take it over into our workplace. It could be teacher, receptionist, nurse, doctor. You, you name your profession. It, um, uh, it, your relationships, your areas of influence. Because we occupy positions, sometimes we wonder, how did I get here? Do you know what I mean? Father, do you ever look there? The little bundle of snot and spit in your arms going, oh heck, now I've got to be a father. Um, just because you're the biological father doesn't make you a father. The question to be asked is, what father does my child need? That's what she was asking. And you ask it of your workplace. What would the best school teacher in the world do and do that. If you make it less about you, somehow you end up with endurance. If every day you're waking up going, what will I get out of this? Well, actually, we need to go the other way around and go, maybe if I give in to this, someday down the line, everybody will go, we want to model our lives on that life. Isn't it amazing how we admire sacrificial lives, but we hate living them? Come on. What kind of prayer does my church need? Oh, don't go there, Jared. Too, too. So don't just be a dad. Be the best dad you can be. Yeah, okay, you might not be able to quite go fishing as often as you wanted to for a little season, a window in your life. <laughs> Mums and dads, you may not get all the date nights that you would hope for, although I would recommend you do everything you can. Even if you just cover your kids in gaffer tape and stick them to the wall and go on a date, do it. <laughs> Recommended by the preacher. Um, but how's about we go, so what does the best marriage in the world look like? And it's not lived off feelings, it's lived off doings. It's things that we go, what would a great husband, wife, couple do? What would a great school teacher do? Selfless devotion. Just because we occupy the seat doesn't mean we do it well. We're praising this woman not because she occupied the seat of the throne of Great Britain, but because of how she did it. Yes. <laughs> That's the difference. And it's the same for every one of us. Having the position is nothing. What you now do, now you've got it, is everything. So stop doing it grumpy, stop doing it selfishly, stop doing it because of what I want to try and get out of it and I'm not getting the comeback quick enough. How's about we just do what our family, church, nation needs us to be and what could happen with a dutiful generation? There is something about duty, isn't there? I just get up and like clockwork, I'm there. I'm, I'm quite sure because evidently she probably was failing in health a lot more these last weeks than we ever knew. But when you saw her meet Liz Truss and you could see the bruising on her hands, you could see that she was having medical treatment and, and yet we're told that she did her best to make sure that the photographer felt comfortable in the room as they took photographs of Liz Truss. And there she is, you know, saying goodbye to Boris and uh, welcome to... <laughs> That won't come out on the tape, don't worry. And um, it was nothing rude, by the way, because that sounded even worse by audio. Uh, just saying goodbye to Boris, welcoming Liz Truss, and there she is with a smile on her face 48 hours from the end. I'm sure she didn't wake up that morning and go, I feel like welcoming a pr another prime minister. 
How's about we do things because it's the right thing to do? And then a whole nation of praise, a great cloud of witnesses erupts when we go, good choice. That is how to live a life well. We did the right thing, not what we felt like doing. We whipped our selfishness and ego into shape and we lived the life that, we, that as best we could, we sensed that God wanted us to live. Wow, wouldn't that be just absolutely remarkable? Amen. Uh, she was a humble leader. Yeah, well, let me move on to the next one. The second one was this, kindness. The more you hear the stories of this most famous woman in the world. Anybody here ever met her? Come on, there must be someone. Anybody met? Marilyn, you met the Queen. Put that hand up higher than that. Did you shake her hand? Uh, yeah, she did come across my side. Well, can I shake your hand then? And I hope you've not washed it since. Wow, that's remarkable. Do you want to say anything about it? Shed is right because I've also met Lady Diane. But what I've noticed with them is there is something that comes from them that is like you've said, a lot of people said it, a warmth. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed that. She, apparently very kind. Do, do you know that, I mean, hosp, the way you hear that she practised hospitality, she was personally involved in deciding what books would be in your room if you went to stay and things like that. Down to every detail. Um, and absolutely, you've, you've probably all heard the the... Theresa May cheese story yes. have you anybody not heard it so it was it's it was it was <laughs> I'm not going to tell it as well am I because I can't do a Theresa May so um well she was at one of the many I think it was at Balmoral wasn't it and they were going for a, a they were having a picnic in the Bothy and um they were all chipping in to get the picnic food out and Theresa May got out a plate with some cheese on it and dropped the cheese halfway to the table and of course, she said, I had a decision to make. You know, do I pick it up and put it back on the table or what? Anyway, she stooped down, put the thing on the plate and stuck it on the, on the table real quick. Then she turned around to find that the queen had been watching the whole thing. <laughs> and all the queen did was smile. <laughs> See, here's a great Christian thing. Putting others at ease. Can I just say this is hugely underrated, but extremely powerful, manners. The amount of people that I, I, I you know, I, I walk up to them, I look them in the eye and say hello, don't say hello back. Manners, putting others at ease, caring for others. It's, it's kindness, it's human connection. And she seemed to have that in spades. Um, we need to give of ourselves emotionally to each other. And that creates a Christian world, a Christian environment. Um, uh, one of my favorite stories is there was the leader of, 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 of a third world nation that had come to Buckingham Palace for a banquet with the queen. And he, he was sat just a couple of spaces down from the queen. And on the table were little bowls of lemon water for finger dips, for cleaning your fingers. And of course, the, the, the king of this foreign nation was trying to work out what to do with all the kind of banquet stuff in Britain and thought, well, it's, it's a bit thin, but it's probably a soup. So he picked it up <laughs> and he began to drink it, of course, by which everybody was kind of looking like that. And the queen saw it, picked up her finger bowl and drank it down as well. Just to 
take the shame out of the situation. Kindness, just human decency. I told this one when Prince Philip died. Was that a year ago? It's really not long ago, was it? But Prince Philip, there was a banquet, and I can't remember all the names in this, but it's, I think it's some MP's wife who'd had a stroke and had lost... Um, the ability to use a knife and fork and stuff like that. And they, so this MP and his wife got an invite to the palace for a banquet. And of course, though she wanted to go, what a privilege. It was like the last thing I want to do. I can't use a knife and fork. And so she was kind of devastated. And, but they, 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 they said, don't worry, it'll be all right. And, and so they turned up. And then she was even more horrified to find that she was sat next to Prince Philip for the banquet. And so she sat there, oh, this is going to be horrendous now because she can only eat with her fingers and uh, anyway out comes the first course and Prince Philip picks up his knives and forks and hands it to the courtier whatever they're called picks up hers hands it and he sat there eating with his fingers just to keep her company and all the meals were prepared for, for someone who could eat with their hands little bits of I want to take every bit of shame or intimidation out of your moments with me I want to put you at ease that's kindness, isn't it? I wonder if we could practice that more. Right, emotional intelligence, hospitality. And I, I kind of throw this in here too. Um, I like the phrase, because uh, you could say, you know, she didn't do politics, but I preferred this phrase, she was above politics. And I want you to, I want you to think, because again, this is incredibly Christ-like, Jesus was above politics too. He never got pulled into the petty. He was on another plane, recognising the needs of man and the human things that were going on and changing governments. And in fact, Jesus was living in a, in a time when, just imagine it, foreign troops were on their soil and they were an oppressed people. And yet he still, he didn't get down and dirty. I'm sure it was kind of giving it one to the Romans would have been a thing, do you know what I mean? Or you could imagine all these Jewish Latino blooded men were all a bit like, come on, let's get a Roman and get them on the street and beat them up, you know, or whatever. And that's, that's the disciples, you know, not even Judas. I bet it was Peter, James and John calling down fire on them. Come on, Lord, restore the kingdom. And Jesus was above the politics of the moment, living on another plane altogether. And the queen was like that, living above. And so there's the question to us. Let's take it just out of politics because I think it's a broader character thing. Not petty. but above. I think that's a challenge, isn't it? In today's wild world, to, to get petty, uh, to play the victim, to enter the blame game instead of keeping that serene dignity and living life, even through th seasons of suffering and difficulty, with a sense of dignity. And so I suppose, yeah, the last one, hmm, Stability and longevity. She just kept going. Didn't, uh, didn't jump ship, but kept going right through to the end. Wow. We're grateful for our life, amen? We are. And, uh, well, she's seeing the eyes of her Lord and Saviour right now. And so, shall we stand?